fund is coming down the pipeline uh, for you over the next probably 30 to 60 days. And uh, some things I just can't share yet um, because the Lord's doing things behind the scenes that uh, that only a few of us should should know about right now. But I'm telling you, God is moving uh, in a magnificent way. And uh, he's doing so through people uh, like you. So thank you so much for being faithful. Thank you, Dana, uh, for just sharing your gift today. And uh, man, isn't the worship team doing good as well? And I'm just so thankful for uh, what the Lord is doing. Exodus chapter 3 today. Exodus 3. We are going to um, kind of finish this up today, but uh, then again, we're not. Uh, So uh, we are... We're going to be in the last sermon for uh, this series today. just feel like the Lord's telling me, uh, put a stop to it. Uh, but next Sunday morning, we got something really exciting that's going to be taking place right here on the platform. Uh, Benny and Dwayne are going to join me on stage, and we're going to have a kind of a panel discussion. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those before, but we're going to do a little panel up here with, with our pastors and uh, just kind of talk marriage and family and life and I'm going to ask a few questions to them, and uh, I'm going to put them on the spot with a few. Most of them they'll know about in advance, and uh, um, it, uh, it depends. If, if NC State wins the ACC tournament this week, uh, Benny is not allowed to be on the stage Sunday, so we'll need a replacement for him. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> so... Uh, Maybe, maybe I'll just stay off the stage and y'all can do it. Uh, but that's going to be next Sunday morning. Uh, we're just going to ask some, some questions uh, about what we're going through in our lives and what we go through as ministers. And I'm really excited to see what God will do through that and just kind of give it a different spin uh, for what you typically see on a Sunday morning. But Exodus 3 today, uh, what we're going to be doing uh, is, is kind of uh, finishing this up and, and really talking about the family. We, we've really hit hard on marriage the last four weeks. We've really hit uh, really hard on uh, singleness and, and just how to be uh, godly in our singleness and godly in our marriages. And I can't, I can't say it enough. I really feel like God has used this series in a mighty way uh, in many of your lives. I've talked to many of you, and uh, I've heard from single people. I've heard from people that's been married for five years, and I've been, uh, been with people that's been married for 40-plus years, and God is just moving in hearts. And I'm so excited and thankful for that. But, you know, this is, this is the thing. Um, this past week, we were uh, scrambling to get our house in order. Have you ever done that before? Uh, you know, we, we had our one-year inspection for our new house uh, back in January. And uh, because they were so booked up, they couldn't get to those repairs until this week. And so they came into our house. Well, they came on Thursday. Here we were Wednesday. And, you know, you don't want people to come into your house when it's messy, right? Like, we're going to do everything that we can do to make that house look like a champ and look like a charm. And so we cleaned it up. We, we got our house in order. And, and, and many times, this is what I've realized. It's fake, right? Like, we are who we are. And, and here we are, like, running around to make sure... The, the mom and dad get to see our house spotless when really that's not who we are six other days a week, right? And, and we, do, we do our best. We give them our best when really at the end of the day, it's almost like the reality TV show, if we're honest. You know, like I like to see who you are. And, and, and look, my... My house, I don't know about y'all, if you keep your house seven days a week fresh and, and there's never clutter, uh, like, I need, I need your advice. I need you to come along uh, and, and, and show us how. Uh, because my family, like, we work hard. Uh, we work really hard. And look, there's going to be days where you're going to walk into my house and you might go skateboarding with Riley's, with Riley's glider thing that she's got and, 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 and go, go, go across the house. You may step on a Lego. Uh, you parents know what the Lego is like. Like there, there are days uh, where you just want your child to be a child. Uh, now we have routines. Riley makes sure that things are put away when she goes to bed. We we make sure that things are somewhat in order when we go to bed. But many times, if we're honest with ourselves, our house is very rarely in order. Very rarely. Um, the dishwasher probably needs to be unloaded every day. Uh, there may be dishes on that's not clean every day. There, there's things in our houses 
that just seem to be out of whack, and it's almost impossible to keep up with it with an everyday working family. Now, my wife knows that that clutter is my, like, my one thing I can't stand. Uh, if anybody knows me at all, clutter is not my thing, and, and it freaks me out. It stresses me out, and so we try our best to declutter, to keep me sane, but there are days where we fail in that, and that's okay, right? That, that is completely okay. Can we just say one honest thing this morning? None of our families are perfect. We're just not. Uh, when we get deep within the family, all of our families can just be messy. Uh, when we don't we don't have to be insecure about that. Um, we we don't have to feel like we have to hide that, uh, because honestly, if we think about it, it's all part of God's plan. Okay, he, he works within us so that His divine plan can be fulfilled. Now I'm not telling you to go home today and say, Pastor Thomas told me my messy house is God's plan. That that is not what I'm saying. <laughs> but but God's plan. It's to be fulfilled through us, through our families. And we have to spend time with our families. A lot of time within the family, we have the most confusing adventures that life are ever going to take us on. Okay? But yet within all of us, we have this longing to be a part of a family, whether you're really connected to your family or not. Have you ever noticed that any good TV show is based around the family? If it's not based around the family, stop watching it. Like, it's not worth watching. Okay? Every good TV show has a family drama in it. And, and this is the thing. It doesn't matter if it's a crime show. It doesn't matter if it's a reality show. It doesn't matter if it's a comedy show. All of these things are based around what would be a family. American Idol, guess what? Those singers on that stage, eventually they become family. Hey, whether it's the top 12 or the top 8 or whatever. They, I feel like now they, they treat it like the NCAA tournament. Like they go from like 68 and then the next thing you know it's 12 uh, the next week. But they're a family. They're bonded together in family. Can we, can we just do something today as well? Can we stop comparing ourselves to another family? I'm going to take that a step further. Can we stop comparing ourselves to other churches? in other ministries. Because Cross Life is who Cross Life is. Our family is who our family is. And so many times, look, I'm guilty of it. So many times I'll go to another church and I'm like, man, look at that place. <laughs> oh, man, look at the space. When God's designed us to be who we are for a reason, and we're so often Comparing ourselves to somebody that's above us or somebody that we think is below us. And that's wrong. Hey, God God's gave me a unique calling as of late to, to, really, uh, to really invest into other pastors and other ministry leaders. Like that, that is, That's my heart right now. And, and besides, besides doing what I do every Sunday, I love, I love pastoring, I love preaching. Uh, but God's given me a heart for the pastor. Those that are struggling, uh, the Lord has drawn me to them. Uh, those churches that, that just need a, a revitalization, God has drawn me to them to, to let them know that they're not in the fight alone, that there's another church that loves them. There's a pastor that, that wants to care for them, a pastor that wants to help them. Because, look, I've been in their situation before, and it's lonely. And one of the, one of, there was something that came out years ago, probably five, six years ago. One of the loneliest positions in the world that you can be in is the, is the position of pastor. It was in the top ten loneliest positions in all of the world. And, and we, we, we do so much, but so often we got churches, we got pastors who don't care nothing about us. And we're a family, right? Like, we're, we're supposed to be in this thing together. We're, we're, we're going through one kingdom in the kingdom of heaven. We're, we're after one gospel, the gospel of Jesus. But yet we, we argue and we fight and, and we think that we have to be alike or we have to, to be better than them. We've got to have better ministries. We've got to have better organizations. We've got to have more money. No, it's none of that stuff. God owns it all. 
Look, we, we've seen God take $10 and do something great with it. I'm serious. God is moving in our church and moving in our midst. And stop trying to analyze other people and comparing ourselves to other things. Stop trying to think that you have to be like your next door neighbor when really God has designed you to be who you are for a reason and embrace that design. Embrace who you are. What, what I believe is when we analyze the Christian faith and when we uh, see that all of that revolves around the family, we see that God said, I'm going to reveal myself to the whole world. I'm going to do that. And, and he says, I'm going I'm to show my character and what we're going to see today is God choosing a family. He's going he's to choose Abraham and Sarah. We saw that in Scripture. He was going to choose their marriage, their descendants, and, and he was going to reveal himself to the world, God said. And this family would just keep expanding and expanding and expanding. And what's amazing to me is that family way back in Exodus is the family that we are connected to today. Like, we, if we really wanted to, anybody, anybody do all that, uh, what do they call it, the um, genealogy stuff? Thank you. That genealogy stuff, anybody do that? Nobody? Cool. All right. Um, I, I know who my cousins are. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I've, known, I've known people in my life that have traced back to, like, the 1400s. Like, how? I don't know. <laughs> But, you know, eventually, if you keep tracing everything back, you're going to trace it back to Abraham and Sarah. And, and, and somehow, some way, we're all related. Isn't that weird? Uh, we're all family today. Um, so so I'm, I'm your long-distant cousin that you've never talked to. And uh, this, this should be incredible to think about, that we are all connected by blood through Abraham. And Sarah, because of their willingness, God literally showed his plan of redemption, and it started with a single family. So this message today is absolutely for everybody as we continue this thought of uh, marriage, as we uh, continue the thought of family and, and children. I believe that somehow, some way, we're going to relate this to every single person in here, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are. We need to understand that no matter what our marital status is, that we all belong to a family. We do. And it doesn't matter if you are single. It doesn't matter if you are married or divorced or an empty nester. We all have a family. And it's the family that God chose for you. And, and through that family of Abraham and Sarah and through those descendants, God had chosen all of that stuff. And that is why Satan attacks the family. He's very good at attacking the family. He's going to do his best to break up a marriage. He's going to do his best to cause a divorce. He wants relatives to have grudges against one another. He's going to do his best to divide siblings, brothers, and sisters. He's going to do a really good job. And, and we sometimes give him a foothold in these things that doesn't really need to be there. When tempers flare within the family, that's nothing but the enemy. And it's Satan. He wants to destroy that. And if we can understand where all of that comes from, it's going to make us aware of what's going on around us. That makes sense. So we, we begin to think that everyone else has this problem that we don't have. And honestly, if we think about it this morning, we're in an everyday fight. We're in an everyday battle uh, with the enemy and, and to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. When you wake up every morning, I want Satan to tremble at your feet hitting the floor. And, and that's been my prayer for a while. Lord, allow Satan to be scared when my feet hit the floor in the morning. Because I want to be a force. I want to be a force to, uh, to the Christian faith. And so I, I've, I've titled our message today, Your Family, Your Holy Ground. Your Family, Your Holy Ground. We're going to be looking at Exodus 3. And let me give you a little bit more context uh, as we get ready, this is about my family. We are the kind of family that, that we grind all year long. And if anybody knows us, like we, we, work, we work hard. But this is the thing. We also take time for, for vacation. 
And when we go on vacation, like usually the first 24 hours of vacation is literally nothing but hitting pause. And, and usually if, if we're on a cruise boat or if we're out at, at Disney World, there's no, there's no rest at Disney World. Uh, <laughs> if, we're, if we're at the beach, usually that first 24 hours is like, thank God we made it to vacation. You know, some of you can relate. Like you, you grind it so hard, you try so hard to keep going and keep going and keep going that you don't slow down. But we love to travel. Like that's that's the one thing that uh, well, Tiff loves to travel. I'm just kind of her travel partner because you know God chose me to marry her, and uh, I'm not letting anybody else travel with her. So I'm the one that goes, uh, kind of thing. And so uh, she loves to travel, and I've learned to love to travel because my wife loves to travel. And men, you're supposed to do what your wife loves to do. That's my marriage advice for you today. And if you do that, you won't end up in my office. Uh, you, you won't have to have marriage counseling because you're doing what your wife loves to do. And so uh, this year she wants to take me all around the world, I think, and I don't know how we're going to do it. But anyway, so, so we love to do that. that. That's our context. Like, we, we work hard. Okay? We, we try to save our money as best as we can, and then we go. And, and, and this is the thing. When we go, we don't have to stress because our priorities were lined up like week one. We've put God first this year. We've done, we've done everything that we needed to do to keep everything in focus. We, we've, we've, we've put each other first. We, we've tried to strive to have that, that relationship. And, and, then, and then not only that, but we've, we, we talked last week a little bit about the budgeting and all that. Because we budget and, and all that good stuff, we're able to go and, and not have a care in the world because usually uh, it's paid for and we don't have to stress over that when we get back. Like, how are we going to afford this? It's all done. And so, so, our, so our minds are free when we get there to know this is, this is what God wanted us to do, right? And so, so we do that. And in the context of all of this, we try to understand that it's our family, that, that we're made for each other, that we're there to spend time with each other. Like we want to give Riley some experiences that maybe she won't ever be able to get anywhere else. Like, she thinks D.C.'s the greatest thing since sliced bread, and we can't figure that out. <laughs> like, uh, she's five years old and wants to go to D.C. every, every summer. Huh? Six Flags. It was Six Flags. She, she thinks that's like, she, like, man, somebody tell her about Mickey Mouse. Like, um, but, but, we, but we do that, okay? And so this is, this is the context of, of what's going on in our family, but then we're about to see what's going on in Moses' family. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Look at this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Let's stop there. That's, that's his context. Hey, uh, here's Moses. Hey, Moses is, is with his family. And not only that, but he's having to work with his father-in-law every day. There's, there's a lot of context behind that statement there. Moses had become impulsive. And Moses had, like, lost his status almost. And he was at the point where he's now working... With his father-in-law. Now, back back then, that was a big thing. Hey, nowadays, like it's it's kind of normal for you to be in, in partner with your family and stuff like that. Wasn't a thing then. Like they 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 literally took it serious. Like you left your family and you went and did your own thing. Nowadays, like things have kind of gone a different way. And, and and we're we're more much more connected to our family. Maybe because of cars. Maybe because I mean. We can get we can get to our family in two hours if we want to. Um, it's a good enough distance to stay away, and it's a great enough distance if we want to go visit, kind of thing, you know. And so here's Moses. He's 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 tending this flock with his father-in-law Jethro, and, and the verse keeps going. It says the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now we're going to get to the holy ground thing in a moment. This is the first thing I want you to write down today if you're taking notes. Your holy ground is based in your family. It's based in your family. So this is a part that uh, we can easily overlook if we're going through uh, Exodus 3, if we're just reading this for ourselves, if we're reading this at home. Moses was there with his family for a reason. Church, did you know today that you've come to Cross Life Church at 
whatever time it is, 10.43 a.m. for a reason. There is a reason that you are here today. Now, whether it's the right reason or the wrong reason or whether it's a reason that your mom and dad made you come today or whatever your story is, there's a reason that you're in this place at this specific time because God ordained that. And one of the reasons that he was with his family was because when life got difficult for him, often the family is a support system, right? Like how many of us, when we're going through something in life, we pick up our phone and we call a family member? Cool, I'm by myself again. Anybody? Anybody? Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, usually, if I'm going through a trial in my life, I try to go to God first. I do. Okay, that, that's, that's, that's him. You know, we're, uh, usually uh, God's the first one to know anyway, so you might as well go to him. But usually, it's Tiffany that finds out next, and then I get on the phone call, and I call who? My dad or my brother. Every time. And if my dad or my brother doesn't pick up, who do I usually call after that? My mom. If mom doesn't pick up, then I'm on to my pastor list. I'm going to get somebody on the phone to listen to my problem. <laughs> because my problem seems greater than their problems in that midst, right? Like, whatever it is in life, my problem is more important than whatever they're going through. And so we're going to do anything that we can to get somebody on the phone just to hear us. And most of the time, it's a complaint. Most of the time, it's a frustration. Hey, very rarely will I call my dad and, and give him all the news of the day. Okay? Now, I hope I don't get to that point where uh, my grandma was. Anytime I got on the phone with my grandma as a child, she started reading the obituary to me. Hey. <laughs> Like, Grandma, I don't know who that is. Okay, I hope I don't get to that point in my life. Uh, but usually, if I call Dad, it's bad news. If I call Mom, it's good news, or it's, it's to talk to Mom, and, talk, and Riley talks to Mom, and all that good stuff. You know, that, that's kind of what we do. And that's the context there. But this is the thing. I know that some may not have a family that, that you are just super connected to, and I'm mindful of that today, but that's what your local church is for. That, that's, what, that's what our family in the church is for. We are to be uh, that support system that maybe you don't get uh, six other days a week. And he, he can give that to you and give you those things that you may have or, or maybe you've never really known. So here's Moses. Okay? Moses is with his in-laws. And it reminds us that if we were to write a story about our life, and maybe a book about ourselves, it wouldn't take many pages into that book before you start talking about your family and it intersects. Because family's important, right? Like, no matter if it's a good experience or a bad experience, family is always going to meet right there in the middle because it brings the context out. Some of us try to run from our family. Uh, we try to avoid our family. Uh, we, we want you to know that this is a sense of insecurity that, that, that we may have sometimes. Um, that's something so much more powerful uh, than the insecurity that we can have. It's more powerful uh, than the social media story. Your family is more powerful uh, than the false look-in that we often portray as a family unit. There's something much more powerful than that, and that is the power of love. The power of love is huge. Okay, the power of love shown in this church. The power of love is shown in our individual family units. And the more love that is shown in the power of our families, guess what? The more power of love that's going to be shown in our church. It all works together in your workplace. Some days there may be great power of love. Other days you may hate each other. But it all goes back to love. Everything goes back to the power of love. There's been times through... Uh, this series that the Lord has just smacked me right across the face. Like, hey, you're preaching on this. You need to do a better job at it. And I've come to the reality that as much as I want to look my family and have it all together, we don't. Hey, there's a lot of days that we don't have it together. But guess what? There's a lot of days that we do have it together. And, it, and it's not to say that we're better than one family or the next. If, we, if we're all honest today, like how many of you say your family had it all together five out of seven days this week? <laughs> yeah. Keevan, put your hand down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 think, I think sometimes we, we think that everything is just perfect. 
And, and in our minds and in our homes, our minds are perfect. Like, hey, this is, this is great. But what are you going to do when you get the phone call from the school that your kid did something that I weren't supposed to do? Or, hey, you, you put a monkey wrench in because practice was canceled on Monday night because of rain, and now you got practice on Tuesday night. And Tuesday night was supposed to be a night that you were at church. So now you're having to decide, do I take my kid to practice or do I go to church? And before you know it, things are just all crazy. Because that's how life is today. If you've got kids in sports, like four days a week, five days a week, that's how it is. And so you're having to cram all of that in, but then also taking the time for your family and taking the time for God and taking the time for church. Like it gets hard. It, it gets rough around the edges. We just finished this finance class last week, and, and just like everyone in the class, our kryptonite when it comes to finances is usually budgeting. And, and, and in my house, it's, it's, bud, it's, it's, it's eating out, and, and our family loves to, to go to restaurants and hang out together. We do it because it's time that we spend together as a family unit, although it can be hefty on the pocket. It's the one time I can look my family in the eye, know I've got their attention, and we're spending time together. Make it a priority to be together as a family. You know, we, we live in a culture today that if you look around a restaurant, usually at every table you're looking at, you've got husband and wife, uh, you've got kids, and they're all on what? They're all on electronic devices. Like, no joke, a few weeks ago, I saw a family, about seven or eight, sitting in a restaurant, and all seven or eight of them were sitting on, on, on their phones. Every single one. There was no conversation. And I was like, man, this world has become messed up. Like, that is supposed to be conversation. And, and yeah, there's, there's times where we're eating at a restaurant, and I pull out the phone, and I have, to, I have to send a text, or I have to do this, or I have to take a phone call, or whatever. But we try our best to make sure we're focused on each other when it's time to be together as a family. But the world has just, like, engulfed us in these electronic things. Like... When is it going to start causing eyesight problems? That's my question. Uh, because we've been doing it for about 20 years now. So when, when is it going to start causing issues? It's already causing issues in the family. All over, all over the family is causing issues. But we've got to make it a priority. The reality is there's going to be times that we're going to get on each other's nerves. There's going to be times that uh, there's going to be a messy house and, and that you may use careless words towards each other. Look, can we just say nobody in this room is perfect? Hey, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Your family, whether it's in your mind today that you're perfect, we're not perfect because God says we're not. The only one that is perfect is Him. And He's made us to be who we are. And so way down the line in your family, yeah, there's somebody that's messed up. There's somebody that's going through addiction. There's somebody that you don't want your children to be around. You're, you're thinking of that person right now as I'm talking. But the most important thing is that we strive to be the godly fathers, the godly mothers, the godly grandparents, the, the godly friends, the godly siblings that we can be. And it all centers around that word love. Love has to be the central theme and focus to a healthy family. Now, I want to give you some scripture. Here it is. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Okay? Love each other deeply, for love will cover a multitude of sin. Is that not a good word for us today? That means as I'm becoming more of a man of God, every single day of my life, and, and more of a husband, and more of a father, that my walk with God will produce love in which will cover a multitude of sin. Love makes everything better. In your marriages, in your families, in your home life, love is the center. It makes your daily routines better. Uh, without it, you've got nothing. Maybe, maybe some of us today... We just need to learn to love ourselves again before we can love somebody else. Maybe today some of us need to express that love to our spouse more. Maybe we don't do that enough. Maybe we don't reinforce that love enough. Love is a thing that, that God can, can move through. 
that God can use us through. And in our marriage today, it is to love each other deeply. Like it is to go back to uh, where you were standing when you married your spouse and, and understand and see that picture again. Like that's what I try to do when Tiff is on my everlasting nerves. I try to go back to the first day I met her. <laughs> because that day is better than all. You know, without that, it wouldn't be what we are today. That's when our journey started. And it all started on August the 7th, or August the 2nd. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> August the 2nd of 2014, when we stood at Providence Baptist Church and expressed our love to each other to say, this is what we're going to do. That it's going to be a godly home. That we're going to do our best to serve a godly marriage. And, yeah, I mean, your, your situation may have been different. Maybe you were at a beach. Uh, maybe, maybe you had an untraditional wedding and it wasn't in a church. And you looked, at, you looked at each other and you said the same exact thing we said. And you, you took those vows and you said, till death do us part. So no matter what I go through in my life, no matter how difficult it gets, no matter how hard it is, I know I've got a spouse who said, till death do us part. And so if there's an argument, guess what I'm going to take us back to? We said, till death do us part. Because I told you, week one or week two, divorce is not an option in my family. We don't use that word. That's not even a, a thought or in the vocabulary of our minds. It's not to say, oh, there's somebody better out there. No, it's to fix whatever's going on in my life. And most of the time, it's my fault because that's just who I am. She needs to go back to the kids. She spent, she spent the last month with the kids, and I haven't had her in here the whole entire time. But let's go a little further. What about, what about our relatives? Hey, what about the extended family? And I don't want you to get too excited here, but there's 295 more days until Christmas. Hey, and, those, and those relatives that you may only see once or twice a year, you're getting ready to see them in about 295 more days. And so I'm giving you a 295-day head start to get ready, get your mindset for it, because Benjamin Franklin said this. Hey, I found this quote this week. Relatives are like fish. In three days, they just begin to stink. And, you know, you know. I found out. I just found it really funny. You know, we, we think that we are we are spiritual when when we go out on these mission trips, and and we spend all this money to be uh, sent digging wells and building houses overseas and all that stuff, and and that's good. But we don't know spiritual, and I don't know spiritual until I'm sitting around a dinner table with my with my whole family. And I'm having to hold my tongue for something they said that was just dumb. Some of you know what I'm talking about. That's spiritual. That's knowing when, when to hold your tongue. And, and, and this is the thing. It can be a political opinion from your Uncle Rick. It, it can be a, a, a world issue. And you're just sitting there and you're like, man, I want to speak up so bad, but I'm going to put on Jesus right now and I'm going to be spiritual. And I'm just going to let it go. Many times, Thomas is quick to talk. And many times, it leads me to trouble. And many times, it leads into an argument. I love my brothers. I love my mom and dad. But me and my oldest brother, like we will bicker at each other all day long. And it's because we're brothers. But you know what? When he was going through a trial a couple weeks ago, I guess who he called? Because he knows we love each other. And it all goes back to the central part of the family, right? Like, there's friction, but then there's love. And if we're around that group of 15 to 20 people, someone's going to get offended these days. Like, it's just going to happen. Family is an absolute test of discipleship. It's a test of spirituality. Most of the New Testament, if you read it, it is about relationships. Most of the New Testament is calling us to get along with each other and respect each other. And I've got a scripture for that today, Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, leave, live peaceably with all men. 
live at peace. As long as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That means you can't control those family members that may get on your last nerve. You can't do it. Live at peace with them. And every single one of you today probably knows that one person. Or maybe it's that one person in your workplace. Don't tell your spouse either. Keep that to yourself. Hold that tongue. Exercise the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, self-control, kindness. That Jesus stuff. Okay? Stuff that really makes a difference. Your holy ground is in the context of your family. It's in, the, it's in the base of your family. It's your greatest challenge. It is a challenge of your behavior and you applying your walk with Jesus. And we get so engulfed in things that we know that we don't even see the surroundings anymore. Hey, when we, when we lived in Grundy, there was this park called the Brakes Interstate Park. It was one of the most beautiful places that you could ever go on this earth. Like you look out... Uh, across the lookouts, and you're literally looking at three different states, I think. Yeah. It, it was so nice. But you know what happens when you go to Grundy? They come up to you and, hey, have you been to the brakes yet? Have you been up to the brakes yet? Like, they don't even they don't even really see the brakes anymore. They just know people need to go up there to see it. They don't even realize that one of the beautifulest parts in the world that they will ever see is in their backyard. But they see it every day. It's like the guardrails that we talked about last week. How many of you noticed the guardrails on the side of the road this week? Because I preached on it last week. They're everywhere. And they're there to keep you safe. But when we are around people and they see it for the first time and you start seeing it with their own eyes, you see it differently. That's what I love about Riley. Like when I carry Riley somewhere and she sees something for the first time, it's like I'm seeing it again for the first time because you're seeing it through their eyes. Many times the great things in our life are so familiar that we don't even take notice. And that brings us to number two today. Your holy ground is noticed in the familiar. It's noticed in the familiar. You may ask, why is the burning bush the familiar? Look at verses two through four. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So immediately in our mind, we think, well, that's amazing. <laughs> the bush is on fire. You know, God's showing up, flaming fire in a bush. Cool. But we have to find historical evidence in this, okay? Studying this week and, and looking at the context, they're in this desert region, okay? And guess what? Burning bushes happened all the time. This wasn't a, a one-day significant thing. Burning bushes happened every day. But what was so cool about this burning bush? It talked. It wasn't consumed in fire. The Bible says it wasn't even consumed. And so what was different with this one, one might have thought, he, he continues, so he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. That's the amazing part. It wasn't amazing that it was a burning bush. It was amazing that the bush wasn't even consumed all the way. And then he keeps going. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses. He said, here I am. You know, there's something that I noticed in people the last several years, that we are addicted to the spectacular. Ever thought about that? We are always looking for the next adventure. We are looking for something that will cause us to have this release of adrenaline. In those moments, we disregard the beauty of family. We chase after the play, which is supposed to be fifth on the list according to week one. And we forget about God. We forget about the spouse and the kids. And even times, we disregard work so that we can embrace whatever it is that is spectacular to us. But if we're using this as our family and, and, and using this as our holy ground, I want to remind us that even though a family is a daily thing and it seems normal and doesn't always seem spectacular, that God is in the middle of all of that stuff. God is in the familiar. God is in the ordinary. God is the conversations that we have. He's into the growth and the development of the kids. God is in your house. He's in your chores. I'll say it again. He's in your chores. That's part of life. God is even in the maintenance of your car. If you don't maintenance your car, what's going to happen? You're going to have trouble. 
Lots and lots of trouble. You've got to maintenance that thing. And we got people in our church that can do that for you. So, you know, God is, God is in the long card rise with, with your, with your uh, spouse or with your child or with that special person that you're with. He's in the ordinary. He's in the burning bush that we pass over every single day of our life. The, the question is, do we notice the burning bush moments that God sends our way? Do we even see what God's doing? What is it in our life today that is ordinary and natural and it's nothing that, that will ever bring about. It's just something of your everyday process that God may be in the middle of and you're not even noticing. Man, yesterday morning, I won't, I won't go into the story in full. I told Benny it, but um, some things you just keep to yourself. But I was, I was in the shower yesterday morning and just started weeping. Man, God, God's like, have you not even noticed what I've done? And when I think about that, it's like, God, you are so good that I've been so busy in my life that I hadn't even noticed what you've done and why you've done it. And in those moments, it's nothing, that's nothing that's coming out of us. Like, it's God breaking us down to, to, to make us realize that he's God and we're not, to show his power and that, that we're, we're nothing. But when we start realizing those moments in our life, that he's done stuff in the background over the last year that we didn't even know what he was doing to now looking at today. Like all of that, there was a plan. And in my life today, like there's a plan, whether I see it or whether I don't, there's a plan there. And it's amazing to think about. John, John sent me a picture of the congregation this morning. Like we, we had, I remember a, a, a guy that was with us and he's passed away now. Um, but, but early on, like, we got so excited when we would hit 20 on, in attendance on Sunday morning. Like, it was like a big parade. Like, yeah, we did it. Like, he would, man, he would be rolling over today if he saw what he could see now. And it's amazing what God has done in our midst. And I'm reminded over and over and over again what Scripture says, I will build my church. Thomas ain't going to build it. John ain't going to build it. Tiffany's not going to build it. Kelly's not going to build it. It's God. He's going to build it up. And whatever he wants it to look like, that's what we have to do. We just have to follow him and, and follow his ways and follow his steps. And the more that we do that, the more that we will see. But what is it in our life today that is just ordinary, everyday thing? And we're walking by that burning bush experience every day of our life, and we're not even noticing it. You know, we we got to notice him in the familiar. I've noticed that that when you are driving somewhere, you get there a lot faster. <laughs> I just now realized that this week, I guess. Uh, um, but you notice a lot less than you do when you're out on a neighborhood walk. I went I went to our mailbox this week and just walked up the the street, took the dog for a walk. You know, being being a good dog owner. And, making him stretch his legs and all that good stuff. And we're, we're on our way to the mailbox, and, and like I walk by, I walk by something in our neighborhood that I had never seen before. And I drive by it every day. And it's like, oh, wow, look. You know, they, they changed the look of their front door. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and it's like the ordinary things. But did you know that a human being is designed to only walk three miles per hour? That's our design. So if you're on the treadmill, Lindsay, and you're going like four and a half miles an hour, like you are above and beyond what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, so if you're on that treadmill tomorrow morning, three miles an hour, that's all, that's all you're expected to do. Uh, but think about it. Think about how fast your vehicle moves. We designed these machines to go super fast. These airplanes and these jets and boats and cars, even, even our cell phones, if we want to get down to it, and, and the computers that are inside those things, they're designed to go fast. And God can use those things, and he does, but when we're going fast, we don't notice enough. We can drive by 100 homes and not notice anything, but we can walk by it and make everything noticeable again. We don't take most of our time to notice a sunset when we're driving home, but if you're on that neighborhood walk, you're like, hey, look, there's the sunset. I hadn't seen that in years. I noticed that on our drive home last night, but we were driving pretty slow. 
God's beauty and wonders of the earth. We take time to look at that stuff when we take life slower. Number three, really quick, your holy ground. Your holy ground shows you or slows you down to hear God. It slows you down to hear God. Your holy ground slows you down so that you can hear God. This is when God tells Moses, take off your sandals. And there's some significance to this as well. Exodus 3 verse 5. He said this, then he said, do not, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Now, I don't know if you do this in your home, but a lot of times growing up when I, when I got home, the first thing that went off were my shoes. Anybody do that now? Yeah, like that's the first thing that goes is your shoes. And, and I, re- <laughs> I remember going out on visiting situations with my, with my dad on Tuesday night sometimes and we'd walk into a house, and I'm about to flip off my shoes when I walk into somebody's house. Dad's like, no, don't do that. We do that, don't we? Like, that's one, it's, like, it's like it's in our mind when we walk through the threshold. Oh, there goes the shoes. Like, see ya. And so we, we do that, and, and, I, and I remember those moments. But did you know that taking off your shoes is a sign that you are done for today and it's time for relaxation. You know, like science has proved that. Like somebody, somebody studied that. Somebody got paid a lot of money to find out that when you take your shoes off that your body slows down and relaxation comes in. Like we, we've got the wrong job, people. Uh, but God told Moses, take off your shoes because you aren't going anywhere. Think about it. When you are barefoot in the desert you really aren't going to go anywhere. And that's what was going on with Moses. Moses wasn't on this nice green lawn. He wasn't in this picture-perfect place. He was in the middle of a desert talking to a bush. And the bush tells him, who was God, take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. And when he took them off, there was probably sand spurs everywhere. But there was significance to it. It meant that he wasn't going to be as mobile. He wasn't going to be as quick. He wasn't going to be able to get away as fast as he could. And that is what God wanted. God wanted to get his attention. And as we connect this to our family and in our life, maybe we feel like our family sometimes slows us down. And that would be considered a negative thing for us. But maybe God in his sovereign will may say, slow down because you need it right now. Look, the Lord slowed me down this week. I've been... I've been sick with something. I don't know what it is. It ain't contagious because nobody else in my family has been sick. Uh, but low energy, oh my goodness. And, and headaches and, and just not feeling right. God has a way of slowing us down when we're going too fast. And, and there's some moments in our life like we just feel like we are stopped at the tracks. And there's things on the agenda there's your schedule slam-packed full and you're having to rearrange dates and change things up. When, In all honesty, maybe that's what God wanted. Maybe God slew me down some this week to realize some things I needed to preach today. Maybe to mull some things in my mind a little bit more. Maybe to marinate on that a little bit more. So if you were on the stage where your child isn't potty trained yet, embrace it. There's a plan in there, <laughs> uh, plan for that moment. There's going to be a greater day ahead when, when, when you get them out of the diapers and they're walking on their own and they're doing things on their own and then they're going to wish they were back in diapers. And they're going to be coming to me and say, Thomas, this is what you said you wanted in your family and now they're out of them, now I want one back in diapers. Hey, maybe it's time to slow down a little bit so that we can have a meaningful conversation with somebody. Embracing the moment God has for us. Listen, elder care is just as important in the church as anything else. We cannot ignore it. There's something special about picking up the phone and just checking on somebody. And look, you got to know who you can text and who you can't text. Like some people want that phone call still. Pick it up and call them. Talk to them. Is there anything that I can help with? It, it takes off the focus of self and puts the focus on other important matters. Sometimes people just need something fixed. 
well, I don't, I don't have a gift of fixing things, but God has given me a gift to know people that do, so I just call them. That's my gift. I know people. And uh, Alan and Keevan and Mitch, like, they're on speed dial every, every single week. Because uh, there might be something that I need. And, and Thomas can't fix it, but I know somebody that can. And if I don't know, if they don't know it, then they know somebody that can. So it's all a gift. My point is this, as we wrap up today, that ministry is just as important as the ministry as I have here today. Your ministry with your family is just as important to my pastoral role. In the book of 1 Timothy and Titus, they're getting qualifications of what it looked like to be elders and what it looked like to be overseers in the house of God. And one of those qualifications was that he is able to manage his family well. And I think many times we try to use this checklist to qualify somebody. Like if you're, if you're in this job interview, you've got this list of checklists and and this is what we want, this is what we want. And you can find the most perfect human being out there, but we need to realize that none of us perfect. None of us are. And, and, and we get it done, and we got that done, we got that done. And it meant this, our, our ministry to family extends to the church. Our ministry to our church is an extension to the ministry to our family. This is not just for parents. This is for singles, empty nesters. Whether you are still in school or you're a college student or an adult, Thus saith the Lord God, God. Call grandma and check on her if you have to. Here's one of the big regrets that I have in my life. Is I didn't call my grandma enough. And now I can. You know, and, and so I've learned that it's important. And, and I wish that I could go back to that 17 to 18 year old Thomas mind frame. But when you start thinking on things like that, you see the kingdom being built. The kingdom is not about what happens on stage. It's about what happens after church service is over. This is not kingdom. Sunday morning is not kingdom. Sunday morning is the family time. It's the feeding time so that we can be released back out. And listen, when the, when the church service is over, that's when Satan wants to attack. Very rare do you see Satan attack in that hour and a half, hour and 15 minute worship service on a Sunday morning. He wants to attack your family. He wants to put a wedge between fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. He's trying to cause the extended families and relatives to have all that discord. We've got to lead that way. That's why Romans 12, 18 said, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. You do what makes things right. You do what is necessary to lead, to lead your family, to lead with your heart, to lead with who you are because God is at work. First John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold what manner of love that Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Church, we are sons, we are daughters, we are brothers, we are sisters. We are part of God's family that started with Abraham and Sarah, that God is still working towards His completion of that family and your family is a part of that and on this day to march the 5th of 2023 the lord has sent you here to hear this message and this for me to say your family relationships matter they absolutely matter it matters don't turn your heart from your spouse don't turn your heart for your parents don't disrespect your parents don't write off those adult kids if you're the empty nester, and I love students. I guess I love students because I, I spent so much time in youth ministry with them and um, just spent so much time just hanging out. But uh, I spent eight years of my life as a pastor to them. And I, I want to I tell you that those that are in their 20s today, that is the most significant force in America today, I feel. Those kids are in it. I've seen those kids that used to be in our youth group that are now serving in churches. Now growing families, many of their hearts are of gold. There's wisdom in them. But they also need influence from the other generations. We don't need to write each other off. We need to listen to one another. Within every generation, there's been that time of people wanting to write each other off and saying, that generation's worthless. And within every generation, there's been time where, where people just, just argue and backbite. But some have been wounded because we have been mocked and the Lord doesn't want us to turn our hearts away. 
Don't let it separate them from the family. I don't have to come up with every answer, every way, every know-how, but you know the Spirit teaches you that you are a family. And as our worship team comes up today, the culture of our family is that if they hurt you, just write them off and be done. I hear it over and over and over again. I've never had a mentor, but let me tell you, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, is the greatest mentor of all time. And if you need a mentor today, cry out to Jesus. He can be your mentor. He will speak to you. And this is what I'll get a chance to do. If you need a mentor past Jesus, I'll be your mentor. I would love the opportunity to be your mentor and be there for you and to walk beside you. One of the best things that could ever happen in my schedule seven days a week is that I have meeting after meeting after meeting where I'm mentoring people one-on-one. I would love that. But listen, God wants to change attitudes today. And through repentance, through reconciliation, God can work all of those things out for His good. you changing your mind. You're changing your heart. Genuine repentance. Jesus calls us to love the unlovable. To know who is on the other side of things. It's time that we open our hearts up again. I'm telling you, if you're married today, do not harbor resentment towards your spouse. Do, do not avenge your spouse. Give that over to God today. In church, you are a family that is always expanding. I want to say that again. We are a family that is always going to expand. He's going to keep growing this family. And it may outgrow this building to be planted in another building or another part of the county or another part of the property. I don't know. Only God knows that stuff. I wish I could see that, but I can't. But the family is going to keep extending because we are focusing on the gospel and we're focusing on the kingdom. It's not about just getting bigger. It's about the people getting to hear the gospel, more people getting to be a part of the community, more people to get to be a part of being loved, more people being discipled. And God wants to rearrange the attitude of the church family because for some of us, our attitude may not be where we want it to be or where it should be. Change is tough. Nobody likes it. Change is different. And we may need to repent from that stuff. But maybe today God's calling you to a relationship with Him. Maybe after all these weeks, five weeks where you've heard me sit here and talk about marriage and relationships and family, and you're like, I don't see how any of this is connected to me at all. Maybe God brought you here so that you could get your life right with Jesus and that you could enter into the family. Maybe, just maybe, that's what God did. Maybe God's rearrange some of your thoughts in your marriages or whatever it may be. But maybe there's somebody here today that needed the message today so that they could have a relationship with Jesus. It's all about the kingdom. No matter what walk of life you're in today, Jesus is saying, come, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I want to give you rest. So if that's you today, would you, would you be obedient? Would you come during this invitational time? We're going to sing Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, I think. And um, we're just going to ask God to move in a mighty way. During this invitational time, once again, I, I encourage you, use this altar. It's here for you. We need to learn to use the altar in the church. So come, bow at the feet of his presence and give it over to him. Let's pray. Lord. Thank you for the last five weeks where we've just been able to dig into some scripture and um, God to, to, to be focused on marriage and family. And Lord, I just pray that we would realize today that our family is holy ground. Lord, that nobody touches our family. Lord, not, your, not, not the enemy. Lord, I, I pray that, that you would put a hedge of protection around this place right now. Lord, as, as the enemy's going, to, he's going to attack. Lord, we know that. But Lord, with a hedge of protection around us, we can defend that off. Lord, in our homes, I pray that we would have a fortress built right where we're at so that, God, nobody will get into our home other than you. Lord, would you just move your spirit in a mighty way throughout the homes of this congregation? 
Lord, would your spirit just move mightily right now through the midst of this congregation during this invitational time? Lord, if there's somebody here that does not know you as Lord and personal Savior of their life, Lord, I pray that you would move them right now. God, that you would get them on their feet and that they would come down and they would get their life right with you. Lord, I pray for those families that have just had, had, had hard times so far in 2023. Lord, that you would help them. God, that you would help them be the family that they need to be. Lord, that you would use us mightily at Cross Life Church to be this big family unit that continues to expand and expand and expand, but never lose sight of what we are as a family. God, help us. Help us love each other. Help us, help us know each other. God, help us when, when we're struggling that we lean on each other. God, allow us to be there. Have your will and have your way in Jesus' name. Stand with us. It's so sweet to trust in Jesus. Close out. You come if you need to come today. Mm -hmm.